Hi, podcast listeners. Welcome to the A World of Difference podcast. We have so many guests on this show making a difference in our lives, making a difference all around the world with the expertise that they bring. And yet so many of you are reaching out to me saying, you want more. It's not enough, just what we're putting on these podcast episodes for you. And so I am here to extend a very warm welcome to you to our Difference Maker community, where you can join for as little as $5 a month to get all this extra content out the gate. You're going to get 30 plus minisodes of exclusive content not available for the regular podcast listeners and an exclusive minisode every month. And you'll get exclusive voting power to help us pick podcast topics and more. And that's with our changers tier. There's three different main tiers and then an extra uh, larger tier. But whatever tier that you join at, you will be included in this extra content. And I know that many of you are wanting to go a little bit deeper. And so even though it gets a little wild in there sometimes because of how deep we go, I want you to join us there. This extra content is very special. It means a great deal to me to be a part of this community with you. And I would love to just exchange uh, ideas or perspectives that you have around these different episodes. And that's the place where we do it. So please show up to our Difference Maker community. Give us $5 out of your pocket every month. And I think that you'll have a lot of fun in there because we do. And I would love for you to join us. So go to patreon.com slash a world of difference to join us there. Welcome to the A World of Difference podcast. I'm Lori Adams-Brown, and this is a podcast for those who are different and want to make a difference. Our guest on today's show comes to us today from Melbourne, Australia. Catherine Matiski is referred to as the maestro of changing behavior. She's globally recognized as a training expert and the inventor of what many of you may have already heard about, which is this process called ID9 Intelligent Design, which is an innovative research-based system, and it has dynamically powered results with 5 million participants in different global brands. Uh, Catherine has a new book called Unlock Your Inner Genius, Power Your Path to Extraordinary Success that's being released soon. And she started her own company, TPC, back in 1994. She serves clients with offices in Sydney, Los Angeles, New York, Singapore, Basel, Switzerland, and London. And she's worked with many Fortune 500 companies and organization, organizations around the world. So today we're going to get a little bit nerdy, talk a lot about neuroscience and the brain. But Catherine is a master at helping us understand it for the layperson and help us know how to serve our teams, our companies, our families, if we're teachers, how to help our students during this back to school time. You're going to learn lots today from Catherine. So it is such a joy and privilege to welcome to today's show, Catherine Matiski. Catherine, welcome to the World of Difference podcast. Thanks, Laurie. Great to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you. I know you've written several books that are very exciting, and all my listeners are going to love reading them. And for people who don't know who you are yet, they're in Melbourne, Australia. I'd love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners today. Thank you. So I'm Catherine, Catherine Matiski, and um, I've grown up in corporate learning and development and really spent my whole career in that space. And I started off with a real job a very long time ago, 27 years ago. And I quit that real job because I thought I was done with corporate. And now all these years later, I've ended up working with some of the biggest corporations in the world, all over the world. And my business, while I live in um, Australia, my business is largely in the US and in Europe. Well, we have a lot of that here in the Silicon Valley, Australians that are here doing great work. And you sound like you're one of many Australians that we know and love here in the Silicon Valley. So you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> when I can uh, get back. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's so hard. You know, but there are some similarities, I feel like, between Melbourne and here. When I visited Melbourne, I loved all the diversity. I lived in Indonesia for 10 years. And when I was on the little trolley, I can't remember what it's called, downtown Melbourne, I heard so much Indonesian spoken there. I was like, wow, I feel like I'm back in Indonesia. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It's very multicultural. And that's what I think is the great thing about living in Australia generally, is all of the multicultural pieces. And with the tourism as well, and with COVID, you know, we haven't had the tourists, it's been really interesting to see the difference. 
yeah, our planet is just not the same as it once was, but we're hoping and praying that everything gets back to normal soon. It's just, it's very hard for those of us who have loved ones and friends in different places we haven't been able to visit. So hopefully we'll get a hold of this Delta variant very soon and you can come visit Silicon Valley and we can all go visit Melbourne again. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, it would be. Well, um, I know you have a lot of work that you've done around uh, learning more quickly and being better communicators. So for people listening, I know a lot of my A World of Difference podcast listeners out there are great communicators and they are really big into learning and development in a variety of spaces, whether it's the corporate space, and nonprofit space, um, and in multiple languages as well. And so Tell us what you think is important for us to know based on your research and your work that you've done about learning more quickly and being better communicators. I think the key thing is that we at school, we learn how to listen, we learn how to read, we learn how to write, but we don't really learn how to learn. And no one really teaches us that. And so we go through life thinking often that it's our fault when we don't get something. And even if it's at home with husband, wife, partner, kids, and you're talking and you feel like you're talking a different language or they're talking to you and you think, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then that kind of escalates into all sorts of miscommunication or arguments or whatever. And that's the same across the board, whether it's in business or in general life, is we just don't learn those fundamentals. And so that has annoyed me no end for my whole life, really, <laughs> because I didn't fit in at school. I was very much, um, if I could get out of anything at school, I would. And I just really struggled because I would sit there in a class and the teacher would be talking and I would just be off in my little visual world, thinking about whatever, you know, I was happy when I was doing art or music, but give me English or biology, for goodness sake. That just <laughs> was like they were teaching in French and I was listening in Spanish. It just did not resonate at all. And for my whole school life, it was my fault that I didn't get it because I was getting Bs or Cs or Ds at school and I was no straight A student. And then as I've gotten further and further into the way people learn, I now look back at my ancient schooling and think, oh, my goodness, like it really was not my fault. Yeah. And because of this basic fundamental piece around how we actually take in information into our brains and then how we can communicate to everybody who doesn't learn like us. And that, by the way, is everybody on the planet. No one learns in exactly the same way. And yet we're kind of put through this kind of one-size-fits-all education, university, college, business, and we're expected to adapt our own preference to however the information is coming to us, and sometimes that's not very easy. So that's been my soapbox for a very long time. And so I set about solving that issue, you know, like, let me solve that for 7 billion people on the planet. That's my, <laughs> that's my mission, right? So it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what your role in life is, you know, whatever it is, we have the same fundamental unification, which is how our bodies take information into our brains and then from there, that's where the fun begins because then it's all different for everybody. So that's my mission is to really unlock all of that in everybody, like small task, I know, but I'll do what I can. <laughs> well, it sounds like if they had a, a class in school about changing the world all by yourself, you might have gotten an A plus in that. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah, people have said that to me before. It's like, you know, like this whole big, big dreams business. But then, you know, I've done a lot of work and I think, it's time now because I've worked in corporate or, you know, my whole world has been in business and yet I see exactly the same things being replicated in my own house, you know, without kids and with other people's kids and I see it in families and I see it in with sports coaches. I see it everywhere and it's the same. So I've been kind of locked up in business and I thought, hang on, I've got to, 
somehow translate this out of the business world and get it into the everyone world. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, if it's that, um, if we all learn that uniquely and there are just these little cookie cutter approaches to learning all over the place in every single space, um, you're offering people such a great gift to really understand that better and how we can be better at communicating with each other. And you have a new book that's coming out. So tell us about that and, and what all's involved in that. So it's called Unlock Inner Genius. And it's the subtitle of it is Power Your Path to Extraordinary Success. So really the premise of the book is around saying two things. One is understanding how you learn. And that sounds really easy. Like that sounds like I could read that in two pages, but that's not that easy. And so what I've done is taken the learning science and made it readable for a start because you know brain science is really dull and boring and (laughs) and so for for most people except for if you're a neurologist or a brain scientist so so um for most people that's pretty dull and and almost irreadable for most people that's really dull and almost unreadable so what I've done is I've taken that down into some easy things so that you can understand that and done an online profile to do that piece. So that's what I'm calling brain fuel. So when you take, when you know what your own preferred brain fuel is, then you say, oh, I get it. This is how I take in information as uh, my preference. And it's almost like your language that you best uh, operate in in the world. So imagine Laurie, if you speak French and I speak Spanish, and I don't know French and you don't know Spanish. And you're talking to me in French and I'm talking in Spanish and we're just staring at each other with that blank look that most of us have experienced when we travel overseas at yeah. time to time. <laughs> and you way. go, okay, it sounds good, but I'll just nod, right? <laughs> right? And that's really the same as your learning preference is that we all have these different languages. But if you spoke to me in Spanish, I'd go, oh, Laurie, I get it, you know, because you're speaking my language. So we all have these preferences of our way that we like to learn. And so the first thing is knowing what that is, because most people don't know what that is. So then when you know what that is, you say, well, okay, I have this preference, say in my analogy, Spanish. So I can now look for all the people that speak Spanish and I go great that's my tribe I get it but that's not the world because we all have these differences so the trick is now that I know that brain fuel how do I best process now that new information that's come into my brain so I've taken the information in to my brain in my preferred way and now I've got to do something with it and that next piece of inner genius, unlocking your inner genius, is what I'm referring to as processing power. And again, we each have our own preference for that. So not only do we have our preference for brain fuel, Mm -hmm. we now have a preference for processing power. And so now I know how I learn better, how I learn, and now I know how I process information. And now the world is starting to look like 7 billion languages out there because I know now that that little combination for me is unique. But there's a third part of it as well and that once we know those two parts, there's another almost like a superpower, which I call a power-up. And if I really want to get good at learning something, I'm going to know how I take in information the best, I'm going to know how to process that information the fastest, And then I've got my own little secret weapon almost to really supercharge and superpower that learning. And and once I find that out, I've got this combination, these three things that I go, that is me. So my three things, my brain fuel, my processing power, my power up, which makes my inner genius, is probably different to yours, Laurie. So you've got yours. 
and I've got mine. So if we were all exactly the same, it'd be a beautiful world, right? Because we'd all be speaking in the same language, but that's not the case. So the real trick comes is once you know yourself, how do you then communicate with other people? Because the trick is that, Laurie, you're out there speaking French and someone else is speaking Italian and someone else is speaking Hebrew and someone else is speaking goodness knows what else. (laughs) And I'm speaking my own profile, which let's say is Spanish. So the trick is I then start to communicate with you and I go, oh, that's Laurie's style. I can pick it up and I can speak French back to you. Or I hear someone speaking Portuguese and I go, oh, okay, I'll talk to them in Portuguese. So I learn how to speak all these different languages because I can now pick up how that person learns. And when you can do that, the whole world opens up because you then don't get the response of, what do you mean? Or I don't get it. Or what? Or maybe you're giving someone, you're asking someone to do something and they go and do something completely different. Well, it's because you probably didn't explain it in their language. Yeah. And so then you say, well, okay, that's great for one-on-one conversations, but what if I'm doing an email to a group? Or what if I'm a sports coach? Or what if I'm a parent with three kids? How do I talk to everyone? And so then that was my next challenge to say, okay, so if I'm spending, if I'm sending one piece of communication to a whole group, let's say a whole company, how do I do that? So it hooks in everybody. And then I've created this thing called the inner genius wheel which is where you communicate with everybody in one communication. And once you unlock that, then life becomes pretty sweet. And someone reviewed the book last night and they wrote me an email and they said, I'm I'm a scribe because there's 12 archetypes. I'm a scribe and my husband is an explorer and I've just realised our marital difficulties for 15 years. And she yeah. said, I've been I've been saying yes, I I hear you and yes, whatever. And she said, I get it. She said, for the first time in 15 years of marriage, she said, I'm now gonna speak his explorer language. And That's I'm so gonna beautiful. be fine with my scribe. And now I'm gonna speak his explorer language. Yeah, I, said, I would think Great. a lot of marriages are gonna be helped by this because no two people communicate the same, whether you know it from Myers Briggs or Enneagram mm. or all those different yeah. personality types, you know that communication is is, you know, at least unique based on those assessments. But it sounds like what you're saying is everybody is very unique in their own uh, personality and how they learn and take it all in. And so this is gonna help teachers. I mean, we're in back to school time here in mm-hmm. California. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of kids just went back to school, for the mine included, for the first time in 18 months. They're back full time, no hybrid, just all together. And I'm sure teachers are, you know, overwhelmed at first to hear what you're saying, which is that every single one of their students learns very uniquely, and they don't even learn the same way that any of their students do. But at the same time, there's this wheel that you're talking about where they can learn to communicate. It sounds like to each of their students, and the husbands and wives and parents can communicate to each other as well. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Mm, Absolutely, absolutely. And if a teacher, for example, teaches how he or she personally learns, they'll bring along in the class the people that learn a little bit like them. You know, that's natural. And then some kids will say, oh, I love that teacher. And another student in the same class will go, I I don't get it. And (laughs) And so you can have these differences and, and if that teacher just opens that up and says, okay, I'm not going to teach how I learn, I'm going to teach how everybody learns, and that's what's called a balanced approach, then if it's balanced, then what happens is everybody benefits. And it's it's a whole new game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's very transformative. And um, I'm imagining it also just in the corporate space, which is kind of where you spent so much time, right? And learning and development. Um, I, uh, I know that you said you noticed that during cor- like corporate training, employees are often feeling spoken at and kind of mm. just endure the training just to tick off a box. 
Mm -hmm. uh, but you decided to tap into like this naturally occurring way of learning that doesn't make training feel like such a chore. So how does that work for people in the corporate space doing the training, both on the receiving and in the training end? Mm. On, the, on the learning and development side, it's a major shift because learning and development are charged with a lot of responsibilities. Perhaps they're in a compliance-based organisation where they have to provide certain training. Maybe it's around protocols or maybe it's around safety or health or, or procedures that they're, they're actually charged with that. And then they're also charged with saying, what does the organisation need in order to meet its goals? So how do we put training in there to fill that gap? And often that's around professional development topics like change or delegation, leadership, etc. And so, so their role has been very much around being measured around how many, you know, people do we get to training a year? Has this compliance training been done? They're all very yes, no answers. And so for a learning and development group, to say, okay, let's look back at this and say how many people love coming to your training and often the response is, well, they just have to do it. <laughs> it's like, okay, so now we're talking a check-the-box training, yeah. mm -hmm. which is not training at all. All it is is checking a box that's right. make that clear. And so then you say, well, okay, what about if they not only did the compliance training as a check-the-box, but they really got it and were compliant and actually change their behaviour. Oh, wow, that'd be great. How do we do that? So then that all unfolds from there. So, so my instructional design, my learning design system is ID9 Intelligent Design, which has become a global standard for learning and development groups. And then from that has come the Genius work, which is for everybody. But it is huge shift. And, and what it is for learning and development is all of a sudden key stakeholders, senior leaders start to value their work better because they say, wow, these people did a course. They're just different people. They've come back. They're applying what they've learned. We've never seen a program like that. Mm -hmm. So that check the box mentality is out the window and this true meaningful change happens where people actually not only go to training, but they do something different because of it, which is the whole point of it, right? So, so that's, you know, a transformation for learning and development. But it's also a transformation for line managers. It's a transformation for team members. It's a transformation for key stakeholders because they can then say at a senior level, at a C-level in an organisation, they can say, okay, we need our business to go from here to here wow, our people are not there to take the business there. How do we get them there? What is the role of new learning that's needed? Okay, learning and development department, you do that and then you'll help us to reach our goal as real partners in the organisation as opposed to that, okay, we need compliance training. Who can do that? Oh, L&D. So it is very different. It's a very different value proposition when that opens up. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. Um, I'm trying to imagine a scenario where maybe you have somebody who's, um, there's a lot of hiring going on right now because just the way um, people getting back to office and getting back to kids back in schools and things like that. So I don't know, let's just take this as an example. So you have um, uh, a, just a, like a, we'll choose a nonprofit. How, how about there's a nonprofit who um, does, you know, maybe a Melbourne wide type um, work and they just hired a new executive director and she needs to come in and get to know her people and her team and how they learn and all the things that you're talking about. Um, what would you advise for somebody like her as she reads your book and kind of understands all the things? Um, is it going to be that wheel that she tries to learn and apply to the different people? And how do you advise her to go about that? First things first, she needs to understand who she is. So she needs to do, in my mind, the inner genius profile and work out what her own archetype is. Then from there, the next thing could be is that she changes her communication in every email, every presentation, everything to be according to that wheel to say, I'm going to try and hook in every one of my direct reports, be it managers, team members, whatever. So from the get-go, from day one, 
she her communication is already heightened. So the result of that will be, wow, she gets us. Mm. Or, ah, she's talking to me. Or, oh, this is completely different to the previous um, senior leader. Because that communication will resonate with 100% of the team. Wow. Now, the true thing would be what I would do, but I'm on this side of it, I suppose, is I would do my own profile if I was her. I would then get my direct reports to do the profile and I would map them on a team map and go, okay, where are my direct reports? Who's who in my meeting room? And then from there, get all of the entire organisation to do their inogenous uh, profile and map the whole lot. Because once you know who you've got, then you can see your gaps. And so you can say, okay, we've got a whole load of these types of people. We really need to balance out our organisation. So when we're hiring, instead of hiring people like ourselves, which we tend to do, right? We hire people we like, we hire people like ourselves. Be brave enough to hire someone completely different to you, knowing that what that person brings is a more balanced organisation. And that's really the trick is because when we when we look at um, any organization we see often an often an imbalanced situation like if you take a pharmaceutical company for example you've got a whole load of scientists so on on kind of a balance you've got loads and loads of people who are really scientific and detailed so where are the visionaries Where are the people who are connecting to other people? Where are the people that are super practical to say, I'm not going to take five years to do this. I'm going to do it in a year. You know, where are those people? So creating that balance is important. And then what happens in those imbalanced organisations is they call me up and say, Catherine, can we do a training program for these scientists and make them visionary? And I go, Oh, okay. So what kind of brain surgery do you want to do before that training session? You know, because it's just like taking people so far out of their comfort zone. Can we do that a little bit? Yeah, sure. We can edge them towards that. But to say this blanket, you know, uh, question, make them into this. Well, sorry, that's the way they've been since they were tiny, tiny babies. It doesn't change. And to change takes years and years and years and years. And uh, and you want me to do that in a two-day training course. Good luck, you know. Hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating when you put it that way. And I'm sure we've all heard those kinds of things. Um, I was listening to um, a podcast earlier today um, about the working genius, which is something Patrick Lencioni and the table mm. group has been involved with here in the Silicon Valley. And um, yeah, and so they were talking about in hiring, a lot of times in hiring, you have these job descriptions that aren't really saying everything they should say and kind of the burden should be on the people doing the hiring. Um, mm-hmm. What you're saying is uh, more diversity has a has better team, has better, more broad types of thinking, which I think the research does already, you know, show that in different ways, you know, whether it's mm. racial or gender and, you know, all these reasons we have diversity and inclusion programs and, um, you know, jobs here in the corporate world as well. But um, yeah, I think on the the hiring end of things, to be able to say, you know, this type of job is more geared towards somebody who learns and processes this way, just to be more forthcoming, because we've all seen situations, been on either the hiring end or the one being hired, where it's just not, there wasn't enough clarity, right? There wasn't enough told to you, you would spend up, you either do the wrong thing as the person hiring because you hired someone that's going to spend so much time being frustrated because maybe they've spent a lot of time doing those things but they've not done them well and they've not enjoyed them and that's actually not how they learn or take in information Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. what you're saying probably would give people a lot more clarity even in the job description and how they actually describe what they're looking for is that right absolutely absolutely and my aim is to make the 12 archetypes a part of everyday language where people talk about it openly and they say, I'm an energizer or I'm a valedictorian or I'm a futurist or I'm a decryptor. And it's okay because how you are is how you are. And you bring so much strength in 
if you can operate at your preferred way of learning and processing information, I know for me, my archetype is a futurist and put me into a repetitive, detailed role. And can I do it? Yes. Do I love it? No. Am I good at it? No. Give me a situation of the impossible situation to solve, come up with 20 ideas and implement them in rapid time, I'm your girl. (laughs) You know? So if you put people in their sweet spot, they will operate better, they'll be happier, they will love it, and they will excel. But people get put into roles and they take roles because they think, oh, it's my fault, I'm not good at detailed work or whatever. And they go into those roles and then think, oh, this is just a grind. So if you can if you can find, uh, and it's not for everybody because everyone's situation is different, but if you can find a role that works with your sweet spot, and actually earn money from it, oh, happy days. Yeah. And if you can't, that's okay. Because even if I have to do the opposite to me, which is buried in detail, repetitive work, it just does not float my boat, but I can do it. And so if I have to do it, I can do it. I can work out how to do it better and say, this is not me but I'm going to take my skills and my abilities and I'm going to now translate that into that task. And even when I do that now, it's better because I go, okay, this, I did one this week. I had to do a whole day at my desk of repetitive tasks. And I said to one of my team members, we were on a zoom call and I said, Oh, what's that sound? And he said, what? I said, that's the sound of me tearing my hair out. I said, I cannot handle this. It was three o'clock. And he said, right. He said, we have to do this and you are pivotal to do this. I said, this is driving me insane. (laughs) I said, I'm a futurist and you are putting me in here. And he said, I know, I know. He said, right. He said, let's try and work with it because he needed me to do this work, right? And I thought, I cannot delegate it. It was one of those situations. And he said, Okay, so what we're going to do is set you up in your futurist workspace. And here's my direct report, right? (laughs) And I went, okay. He said, what can you do? And I've got part of Inner Genius is we've done Spotify playlists for each archetype. He said, put your Spotify playlist on for futurist. I went, right, bang. So I've got that on. He said, okay, instead of doing it this way, do it this way. So he's coaching me, the very person that should be coaching him. He's coaching me. And I said, it's just so repetitive. He said, well, it's because you're doing it in black and white. He said, just do it. It was an Excel spreadsheet, super boring. He said, I said, okay, I'll do all this in colour. He said, yeah, do all that in colour. And then at the end, take all the colour off. I went, perfect. I can do that, right? And so I did my whole Excel spreadsheet that I was doing, repetitive tasks, boring, boring, boring. I did all in colour, which suited me. I had my futurist playlist on in the background because I'm working at home, right? And I've got myself in my little futurist zone and I had it done. And at five o'clock or 5.15 or something, I had another Zoom call with him. I said, done. And he went, oh, hello. (laughs) I said, I've done it. He said, let me have a look. So I went back and I said, here's the Excel spreadsheet. And he said, okay, we have to give this out to um, a client. He said, so can you just make it client friendly? I went, yep, fine. So I reformatted the whole thing, black and white, blue headings. He was happy. I was happy. Off we go. So the, the last two hours for me, I was just so happy. I had my futurist songs on. I'm colour coding <laughs> everything. I was in my little futurist zone doing that really detailed boring work and I just had to get myself out of my pulling my hair out zone and get myself into my own zone I love it I love it because what you're saying is that um 
you know, we all have to do things that we don't enjoy, but when we understand ourselves and there are playlists like you have created just to help us get through, which is probably one of the best things you've said. And the most Mm. compelling reason for people to buy and read your book and do the self-assessment is to figure out their own work playlist on Spotify. But also just that um, there are ways we can get through things that are, you know, not our favorite because we all have to do them, whether it's in our jobs or in life and and just finding a way to get through those hard things in a better way is is really Mm. helpful. So I I love it. I love that you gave Mm. that as an example for yourself. And also just that, you know, coaching can be that way sometimes. Nobody's the expert on everything. Mm-hmm. Even the people we mentor, mentor us. The people we coach, mm-hmm. coach us. Mm-hmm. And nobody's like awesome at every single thing. We, we can all learn from each other. And so that's awesome. I love that you had that moment. I do want to do a little shift. Go ahead. Did you want something to say? Oh, and I was just going to mention that it takes a really long time mm-hmm. to shift your thinking like you've been in your brain for your whole life. So yeah. to shift your thinking is not an overnight thing. And we do go back to old patterns. And that's what I was doing. I was going back to my old pattern. And so like, hang on, I know yeah. something better here. I can do something better. And so we've set up things like the Spotify playlist. We've set up Alexa skills so that you can say, Alexa, what's my inner genius word today? And she tells you. No and way. so then you can go that's and do cool. that. So all these cool things to say, this is not a one and done thing. Don't do your profile and expect that you're going to wake up transformed the next morning and all of a sudden be speaking all these languages. No, (laughs) that's not going to happen. It takes a long time. Yeah. And it really is rewiring how things work. But it's really cool when you get there. And even on the way, you know. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Well, I mean, it is like learning a language. I've had to learn multiple languages and it doesn't happen overnight. Your brain does get rewired and then suddenly you're seeing and hearing and perceiving things you never did before in in a lot of beautiful ways. So it sounds like a similar thing. So I did want to talk a little bit about just to shift our conversation toward your book that you published last year, which was very timely, uh, just around the whole leading virtual teams managing from a distance during the coronavirus. And I just wanted you to give us some tips on how we can lead better virtual teams, because even though some people are going back to the office, this Delta variant has delayed it for a lot of people around Mm. the world. And so um, virtual teams are here to stay. So (laughs) how can we do better? (laughs) Well, I'm personally, I'm really glad of that because in 2006, I decided that I didn't want to have a co-located team anymore. So I took my entire company virtual because I was going to America every two weeks and I was doing two weeks in America, two weeks in Australia, two weeks in America. And it's just a whole lot of jet lag. And so when COVID hit, if you take yourself back to March 2020, when we were all going, what on earth is this? And everyone was scrambling to work virtually. It was not even a speed bump for us because we already had it all set up. And then we were seeing our clients try to mobilise like 100,000 people to work from home. And it was just a big, giant stress. And so I thought, okay. And and all of our learning and development projects, our custom design work just went on hold because everyone was scrambling. So everyone said, training projects, forget about it, you know. So I thought, okay, what can I do to help? And I thought, I know how to do this. I know how to lead a virtual team. Mm -hmm. I know how the technology works. And I thought, I'm going to write that down. So I wrote an entire book in the fastest possible time to get it out there. And it was out at the end of April. And it just became a sensation as everyone was scrambling to say, how do I do this? And in the process, I interviewed about 50 leaders who were in the scramble to say, what are you doing? How does it feel? What's happening? What's one tip that you can give us? And it was really very emotional what people were going through. So I thought that would be done and dusted. And here we are still in this era. And for my thinking, virtual is for my business. And I've got 50 people who work with me. Virtual for me is the unique selling point of my business because I hire on time zones and geography 
is is just a word. It's not a thing in my business. So I have been used to pre-COVID. I was used to travelling for most of the year. And so for me, I could work anywhere and all of my team can work anywhere. But how that translates to a business sense is instead of working an eight-hour day, we now work a 24-hour day. So the way projects work in my business is they get handed around the world on time zones. So, for example, a project manager, the head of the project might be in, in my case, in Cyprus. She will then work on the project on her time. So she's two hours ahead of um, Europe. And so she's a little bit ahead of Europe. She then passes it to the next time zone, which is into Australia. So when I wake up, I've got an inbox of stuff from her and the Australian team has too. They then pass it to the Americas and then they pass it back to um, the UK, Europe and back to her. That all happens in 24 hours. So when she wakes up, she now has an inbox of work and a Trello board that has changed and Slack messages that are there ready for her to pick up the next piece. So when a client says to us, oh, this is a really tight deadline, we've got four weeks to do it, instantly in my mind I go, ah, that's not four weeks, that's 12 weeks of my time. So I don't even verbalise that. I just go, oh, yeah, 12 weeks, that's a doddle, right? I can do that because we're not working an eight-hour day. And so what that also means is for us is while I'm in Melbourne, we have very little business in Australia. We do very little business in Australia, like 1%. Most of our business is in America and in Europe. And we can transact our business anywhere in the world because geography is not an issue. So someone in South America can come to us and we can do business with them. It doesn't matter. So the great thing about COVID, and and there's been many downsides and a, a lot of tragedy, and there's also been some upsides. One of the upsides is around thinking about work differently to say, how can I work from home and still be considered uh, authentic, real. I run a business from my home and that was never considered, oh, you don't have real businesses. So I've got offices all around the world just to have meetings with clients, right? Yeah. But I'm very, I'm as productive here as I am in an office. And now the world has kind of learned that, that that's okay. Yeah. And it's okay to have a dog come in behind you or a kid Whereas before that was on the news. Oh, look what happened in this Zoom call. A child came into the background. It's like, now, hi, you know, and then Mm -hmm. someone's husband, wife, partner comes in, grabs the kid or the dog or whatever, or the kid just walks out. You know, it's no, no big deal anymore. We've become less serious about it. We don't take ourselves so seriously. So I think that was the whole working virtually thing has been really fabulous but leading virtually is still a challenge for many it's still a challenge how do I get that team spirit that team motivation that sense of team when I'm only seeing people on zoom and for many leaders that's a big challenge still yes it certainly is but it sounds like uh you and your book have given us some tips based on what you were have been doing for many years and all around the world. And so um, I do hope our listeners pick up both of your books, the one you wrote about virtual teams last year and this latest one about our inner genius, because it sounds like both of those are uh, aspects of working and learning and whatever space people are in, whether it's education or the corporate space or nonprofit space, that these are these are realities that we're all facing <laughs> because even school has been online and at some level, you know, if the Delta variant goes away. Some people say it might, it might be back in that direction. And so both of these books are just going to help lots and lots of people. Um, I did want to ask one question here at the end as we wrap up. A question I'm asking everybody is, is there somebody in your life that inspired you to be a change maker that, um, that we could also learn from? Maybe it's an author, 
I'm not sure if you had a teacher that you liked. Sounds like school was kind of hard, but maybe you did. <laughs> <laughs> but who's your person? Well, I think there's been so many over the over the years of my life and my career. There's there's probably not one person. Um, when I was very young uh, and growing up, my dad was an entrepreneur before the word entrepreneur existed. And so he would, we'd be out on a, a, a drive in the car as you did in those days. You went for a drive, like no one does that anymore. Like that's, yeah. just, a, that's just a whole traffic chaos and stress. But we went for drives as a kid. And dad would drive into a town and say, let's stop and have lunch and go to a bakery or something like that. And there wasn't one. And so all of a sudden, or there was one, but it was really crummy. You know, it was really awful. Right. And so the next thing, we owned a bakery in that town and and Dad would go and buy a bakery wow. because he said that town needs a bakery that has good bread, good cakes and good everything else. And he would just go and do it. It's like, oh my Lord. And that was that was how I grew up in this very entrepreneurial high risk which I look at it now high risk environment so that kind of fueled me from an early stage that I'd never had a dad with a nine-to-five job so I didn't know what that looked like my dad always had businesses so I grew up in that world and I think that's been the probably the biggest single influence but what keeps my fuel going I suppose in in my work is that I see People take a little tiny thing that I say and they come back to me years later and they go, this part changed my life. And I go, wow, that's amazing. So it's all those people that just keep inspiring me to keep going because there are a lot of people in the world that never hear those words, you changed my life. And I am so privileged that those words come to me. And I don't take that for granted in any way, shape or form because it's those people that I go, how have you done that? What have you done with it? Or it might be just a story that I've told and they go, you know what, that story resonated with me and I did this, this, this and this and this. And I think, whoa, wow, hang on. How did that happen? So it's those people that have really kept me going the whole time is that they are out there changing their world so that other people's worlds gets better and better and what can be better than that right that's just that's the that's the bit for me that just keeps me going and you know I'm a avid reader like I absorb books like crazy and I, I go to bed every night with some strange person reading on audible and stuff like that and I and I you know, listen until I fall asleep. And and I just absorb, I just want to be on the edge of whatever the thinking is right now and, and just to keep up. Because I think if I can keep my brain going, then I'll keep it going. You know what I mean? And that's the most important thing to me is keep your brain going, keep learning, keep developing. And, and I don't want to be that person that gets to the end of their life and goes, you know, I didn't really achieve very much. And I lived no. for 80 years and didn't really leave a dent. Like, no, no leave the Grand Canyon dent in <laughs> the world. When you go, like, go out and go, yep, I made a difference. And that's what matters to me. Well, you don't have to worry about that. You are definitely making a difference. Everybody buy Catherine's books, both of them, all of them. You've written multiple books, but especially these two that we talked about today. It's been an honor to have you on the show. I hope the Delta variant is kind to you there in Melbourne and you get to travel again soon. And thank you so much for the things that you've taught us about ourselves and the resources that you've given us to lead and teach and lead our teams better. I hope that um, your work increases and that you continue to make a difference wherever you are, Catherine. Thanks so much, Laurie. Great to be with you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Wow, wasn't that so fascinating? I learned lots. Uh, I encourage everybody to go to her website, www.innergenius.com. You can also find Catherine on LinkedIn. And, of course, I will put all her stuff in the, 
in the show notes so you can contact her and take the assessment. Figure out what it is about you and how you learn uniquely, the way you take in information, the way you process information, and the way you do with that information. And according to all the studies she's done, it's just unique for all of us. So doesn't that make you want to find out? I do. I want to figure out what my family is doing and how I can learn to lead teams better and communicate better and just, uh, you know, help people feel understood and, and be heard and be the kind of leader that is communicating well, because that's just a challenge for all of us at different times, isn't it? Even if we speak the same language and even with the same accent, right, it, it can be hard. And so um, go unlock your inner genius, figure out what's going on. And I'd love to hear what you guys find out. Um, talk to us on social media to let us know what you're learning. If you're um, more of a future-oriented person like she is or whatever your position is on the wheel. It'd be fun just to share it with each other. So uh, everyone, next week we have another Australian on the show. Mandy Smith is going to be on talking about her book, Unfettered. You will not want to miss it. I've read this book, and let's just say I want to be more unfettered. And so hopefully you can either pick it up before next week when we hear her speak, Pastor Mandy Smith, um, or check it out on Audible. Uh, when you're driving in your car and just, you know, maybe multitask a little bit there. <laughs> you're going to need to feel unfettered if you're driving around in traffic lately and people are angry with going back to the office and back to school and not doing so well in traffic if it's anything like what it's like around here in the Bay Area sometimes. But uh, yes, next week, Mandy Smith is going to help us be a little more unfettered. So everybody... It's a hard week, isn't it? Lots going on in the world with Haiti and Afghanistan and everything. So just practice a bit of self-care, hug the people near you, and and just take some deep breaths. And uh, if you get a chance to read Unfettered, I think you'll really, really enjoy it. All right. Talk to everyone next week. Bye-bye. As we're finishing this episode, if you're thinking, I really wish I could learn more or go a little bit deeper. Well, that's what our Difference Maker community is for. I would love to welcome you in to join the rest of us there. Once again, um, it's only $5 a month to join the price of a latte at your local coffee shop. You can join at our Changers tier. Difference Makers is a community that really means so much to me. It's very special because each time I have a guest on the show, I record something um, outside of what we give to just the regular podcast audience where we go a little bit deeper and then I post those video episodes in this community and we can discuss them. But also at the very uh, beginning tier, which is our changers tier of this community, you'll get exclusive voting power and help pick podcast topics that give us you know, more of what we want from your perspective. You'll have access to exclusive um, 30 plus mini-sodes that aren't out there for the general public. And you'll get every month an exclusive monthly bonus mini-sode. At our Groundbreakers level, which is $10 a month, you can join and get all of that, but also priority access to submit questions to the podcast. And you'll get an additional two exclusive monthly bonus mini-sodes. And at our Trailblazers tier, which is $15 a month, the price of three lattes a month, um, you can get all of that plus also three exclusive monthly bonus minisodes um, and a patron shout out. So I would love for you to join us at any of those tiers. Um, it'll help you come into this community, be in the midst of all of us, other difference makers, and we'd love to hear your perspective. I certainly would. It's a place to engage more with me and the audience around what you like, what you're resonating with, and once again, go deeper with each of our guests. So please join us in this membership community. I would love to hear your perspective and love to share this extra content with you. So show up at patreon.com slash a world of difference. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.